Sound a bro. Y'all supposed to be talking about. Hey, the green light's not on, bro. The green light's dead. Yeah. Uh oh. Okay, so blue's on, white, red. I'm white. Check. Like, I think that's a good way like, to go about it. Like, just say common phrases. That are, like, really offensive, yes. Well, not to the people that say it. They don't know what they're saying, but it's good right. to get the response. Yeah, I like yeah. that. And then, uh, <sighs> like... Oh, sound like we're going live. No, Dev's business up top. Yeah, chill. I the weed that I ain't passed the AFK. Oh, right yeah, but she always trying to mix money. <laughs> so, you didn't shoot one shot? Huh? You didn't shoot one shot last night? No, I didn't shoot one shot. I got a ball came for then. No, that's real. And what I would have came for then? The first team we played had two guys on it that played for the Jacksonville Giants. Yeah. So I mean, it's for real. It's pretty serious. No, no money. It's just an adult league. Nothing. And we're not going to win the championship. These teams are good. Oh my God. Ignorance. We got. No, that's the people that viewed it because you ended it. Hey, you need to get my phone to a contest. Yes. Hold up. Can someone just. Oh, that's why. It's not that hard, but you making oh, it real. Day, boy. I, uh, I recorded y'all boy, man. Shane. Yeah. Did he? I brought him out. I got a little portable studio. And I recorded him. He sound all right. He sound all right. He sound all right. He got a little flow to him. You know what I'm saying? Let me make sure you could be seen, Amy. That's the thing. Yeah, she good. She might have to speed up a little bit. That two, right two, two, check. Two, one. There we go. Yep. And. Five. You bringing us in? I'm gonna bring us in. Good. Five, four, three, two. Yo, 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 testing. You already know what it is. I don't get to do this because we already have somebody that normally does this, but he out. So I'm taking this joint over. This is Big Field. And you already rocking with the Veal Radio show. Know what I'm saying? We in here. 103.7 FM. You know what I mean? Pure Radio, Jacksonville, Florida. We hot because we got some special guests in this building. But before we get to that, let me holler at the co-host. Shirky Durky, what's happening, boss? I, my question is, Jay leaves for one show, and you're the boss? That's Let's cool. go. Let's, Let's go. go. You know fine. what I'm saying? Already. Nah, we're going to do this together, man. We're going to do this together. 
Okay, I respect. And we got one boss. We got a, we got a boss of him. You know what I'm saying? I see her as a boss. I see her making moves. You know what I'm saying? And I see her, you know, uh, really being um, a, a, a big impact in, in the community and in, in some young gentlemen's lives. And she doing her thing. And we're going to start right there and just go, go go ahead and kick it off with Amy D. Amy Donafrio. She's in here and she's the founder and uh, what we could say, the teacher of the EVAC movement, you know what I'm saying? And we got these guys in here as well. So I'm gonna let her talk and introduce them and we gonna get it started of what we talking about today right here on the VL Radio Show, man. Let's go. Okay. Amy, what's up? Hey, thanks for having us. Um, so we got Devin. Say hi. Hey. <laughs> we, got Al- we got Alan. What's up? <laughs> Jaleel. And Val. No. Shout out, no, no, HB. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the justice system today and um, the idea of is the justice system just absolutely absolutely we're talking about that today and we want to make sure that uh, we get both uh, both sides of the spectrum we're going to talk about a lot of different things uh, I'm sure a lot of us got different views when it comes to the justice system but what I want to do before we even get into that is highlight uh, just a few things about the EVAC movement mm-hmm. Um, we, we played a uh, show from the EVAC last week, um, and I want to kind of continue on some of the things that you all have done before we actually jump into a uh, conversation about the justice system. Shirt, what you want to do today? You got anything in mind as well? You got any questions you want to ask? Man, I got a lot of questions because I don't know much about the justice system. So I'm the, the ignorant fool who thinks stuff but knows nothing. So, I mean, I want to hear what y'all say, and yeah. then I just want to take that and because my role in this whole thing, let's let's be frank, my role oh, no. oh, Lord. in this whole thing <laughs> is one to to voice what people think who don't usually want to voice it because they're afraid of looking stupid. Which I can look stupid. That's fine. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Uh, two is you know a lot of these times these conversations happen. Usually it's either one side is all talking together or another side is all talking mm-hmm. together, and there's never really a bridging. Right. Of like a table like this where we all come together, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm against anything. I just want to objectively hear you guys' stories and, yeah, come to what the truth is. So let's hear it. All day, all day. Hey, listen, man. Somebody got to play a part somewhere. You know what I mean? And what I want to do is, you know, ask those tough questions, and I want those answers. Like I told the guys before we even started. Hey, man, I want you to be as candid and open as you possibly can. And I believe that, you know, we can get that done and we can make that happen. So, But before we get into that, let's just talk about the EVAC movement in particular and what you all have done. You know, just give us a little history. I know we did it on the last show, but let's catch some of the people up on what you all have uh, accomplished, uh, how it all started, you know, where this came from, the whole nine. So give me some of that, Amy. Okay, so the EVAC movement is literally a class um, at Lee High School. I had most of them as ninth graders and um, starting their 10th grade year for most of them is when EVAC started and now most of them are entering their senior year. So this will be our, basically all through high school together. And um, we were just a leadership class scheduled like any other class at a high school when um, they started sharing their stories with each other and they realized how many things that they had in common that they had been through. Um, There was issues with incarceration, loss of loved ones, um, police brutality. And so we started talking about, well, what can we do about it? So it started with meeting with JSO, um, progressed to meeting with U.S. attorneys, judges. Um, In the last year, we've been to D.C. three times. Um, We've spoken to the U.S. Senate on Capitol Hill, spoken at the White House, um, been on the cover of the New York Times, met President um, Obama, which is amazing. Come on now. And uh, we have a partnership with Harvard. We got Alan here. He's a Harvard Youth Advisor. And we also won first place in the National Harvard Contest um, for a school kindness campaign. So God's been good to us with the opportunities he's given us. And we've definitely gotten to know, you know, a lot of them know about the justice system from personal experience. But meeting with people, we've also kind of got the back end of it and what really needs to change. Absolutely. Hey, can I ask y'all a question real quick? So the Harvard thing was with kind bars, right? What? 
the Harvard thing that y'all won was Harvard and Kind it Bars? Was the, it was the Kind Foundation uh, partnership with Harvard. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do y'all get like Kind Bars for life? No, we got Kind uh, we, we got two eight-packs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and none of the... <laughs> I'll leave it there. Okay. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. But, but we love the Kind Foundation. Actually, they just called me two days ago because they were so impressed with the boys. They want the boys to actually be the judges for the next national contest and partner cool. with them. That's cool. Hey, it sounds like we got a lot to talk about, you a know. Lot. You know what I mean? So before we get into that, let's get into a song. You know what I'm saying? So I want to do that. And then when we get into a song, we're going to come back and we're going to hit this thing called the justice system. And we're going to ask some questions and find out what we think about it and just share some of our experiences. So before we do that, I'm going to play a song by requested by Amy Donofrio, my boy Savage J. Shout out to Savage J. He just dropped a new project. Yay called Blood in the Streets Part 3. Y'all make sure y'all want to get that and pick that up. That's my man because my man take care of the streets. He inspired me and my music to say, hey, you know what, next time around, I'm going to holler at some of my old peoples. And we kind of just been, you know, you know, uh, uh, bouncing ideas off each other here for the last year and a half about really making music that speak to uh, the communities and where we come from and still keep a level of uh, substance and spirituality and how we feel about our faith. So, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to him. Go get that project. Holler at him. Seven J Ministry. Or you can go online and download it. It's available. And we're going to play a song called Dear Mr. Seven. Dear Mr. Seven, right here, Pure Radio on the Via Radio Show. Let's go. You know how long that song is? It's, it, I, I, th I think it's pretty long. I'm going to say... Like 17 minutes? No. Nah, I'm going to say about four minutes, though. Four minutes. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So let me get this popping right. What is going on with this? Let's turn. Yeah, and <laughs> make sure y'all keep the mic up here, y'all. Like, keep it right to your mouth, and you know what I mean. So Someone we can hear everything. Right on your chin. That's the best thing. It is. Talk. See, I learned that from Phil. That's what uh, big dogs do. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Is there a person? No, this right here, right here. No, I'm gonna edit all this out. But we are live, so y'all can say what up to the live people, and I'm gonna edit all this. And so we finna go, we finna go back right now, though. You know what I'm saying, but shout out to those that's live with us, that's on the evac page and the Ville Radio Show page. I feel like I should have logged in on my page, but we gotta get the, the Ville Radio page popping. So we gotta start from the bottom. You know what I mean? All right, now we're coming back in. And five, sure, you wanna bring us back? Five, four, three, two, one. Man, seven, shout out to you, boy. Y'all just heard it right here on the Ville Radio Show, 103.7 FM, Pure Radio, Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, that song go hard, man. Deep song, touching song. Shout out to him, man, for even... Uh, giving a voice to students, giving a voice to young people, and really making it possible for somebody's story to get told through the music, man. So, again, y'all make sure y'all pick that up. That was requested by Amy Donofrio. We got some couple, couple more songs coming up later. So, but before we get into those, let's go ahead on and talk about it. So, we set up a couple of uh, shows to where the EVAC movement is going to be a part of the VL Radio show. And one of the subjects we say we wanted to touch on was the justice system. So, Amy, I'm going to go ahead on and let you just tackle that and really give, a, give me a reason why you wanted to talk about that. What did you see? What did these guys see? And we're going to let y'all express. And I need y'all to tell the truth. Be real. Let's do it, all right? Let's go. Um, well, I'm going to keep my talking to a minimum, which is going to be shocking to them because they think <laughs> I talk too much. But it's funny. Uh, but I think... I think my whole paradigm has just totally flipped from seeing the realities of the justice system. I don't think I knew for years and years that it was unjust until I watched it played out on people I cared about. Um, and so I guess I'll, I'll direct a question to you all so y'all can talk because um, y'all know best. Do we have a just justice system? No. Why do you say that? 
I say that because I feel like it's very unjust. Like they treat they treat people very, like different people that come in there, they treat them very different. Like it be the ones that don't do nothing, be the ones that get slammed with the hard time. But it be the ones that are habitual offenders that keep getting let off and get keep getting put on probation and ankle monitors. Mm. But the people that don't never do nothing first time ever going to jail, them be the ones that go to programs, get certified, go to prison. Wow. And wh why? Julio, you want to talk on that? You want to expound on what he just said? Well, that was kind of like my case. I can actually relate to that, you know, because I got certified at a very young age. I didn't have any record, you know, at all. You know, I used to get in trouble a lot in school. But I feel like, you know, that kind of reflected on how, you know, how, how you do as a, you know, a younger youth, you know, kind of affects, you know, how they go about things in the justice system, too. And I feel like, you know, that that's wrong because, you know, if you trouble, you know, going through stuff, you know, really young, you know, they feel like, you know, in, just from different experiences that you had, that you're going to be a product of society and like you're not, you know, going to stand a chance to be successful wow. so like you know they kind of i feel like they kind of sentence people off that and you know being in jail at a young age you know i've witnessed people get sentenced to 40 years 35 years 20 years you know even for you know murders of course but you know like different things like you know armed robbery and um burglary like breaking into people's house and stuff like that mm -hmm. you know me as an individual i feel like people you know, can really do a short amount of time in jail, you know, and really learn from that situation, you know, learn from those situations instead of, you know, hitting them with 15, 20 years mm -hmm. to where, you know, they go to jail, you know, they're about to get out, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to survive, you know, like live in society because they've been caged wow. most of their life. So let me, before you go any further, so let me, let me do this because based on what you're saying, I want to read a definition of what the justice system is. I, I, I just pulled up to ask the def to define what is the justice system. And it says, the criminal justice system is the set of agencies and processes established by governments to control crime and impose penalties on those who violate laws. There is no single criminal justice system in the United States, but rather many uh, similar individual systems so uh the core core definition of that is it says to establish it was established by governments to control crime and impose penalties on those who violate laws well well before you keep going we can stop on the word control yeah yeah go ahead go ahead because they can't control crime there's no i honestly feel like there's no such thing as control con controlling crime Anywhere you go is going to be crime. Something is going to happen. So, but wh why? Like, why Why do you all think people commit crimes? Because a lot of people, in my experience, and yeah. this might have even been me a few years ago, go, if you, bad people do crime. But but no, people do crime. Why? Yeah. So it's a I feel like, from personal experience, a lot of people do crime. Like, the people I be around, people I know, like, grew up with, like, all the, a lot of people went in the way that they is now, but your life unfold to different things. Like, you might have went to jail one time for something that you didn't even do, and you did a program just because you was in jail or whatever. Like, a lot of people that go in there for their first time don't get let off. Like, they get programs or get certified, go to jail or whatever. They be sitting for a while. So when you get out, a lot of opportunities has been taken away from you. Like, being in there, they mess up your credits for school. So when you get out, you probably two, three grades behind. You only want to go back to school. Mm. So... Not going to school means you don't got no education. If you don't got no education, you can't get no job. If you ain't got no job, what and you and you got a child on the way, or you got a child here, what that leads you to do, you gotta have some kind of income. So it leads to crime. And not just that, if you was gonna speak. Yeah. I was gonna say the, the circumstances that people go through, like people like they don't have no food, like your parents don't got enough money to buy the food or a house or anything. So they feel like, oh, if I can't get a job as of right now, the streets is somewhere I could go to get money. So if they feel like they're getting money, they're gonna keep on doing it because that's the only way that they're gonna eat. That's the only way they're gonna sleep. Like I done seen before my mom passed, that's what she was doing for me to make sure I was living. Like she was in the streets making sure that I had clothes on my back and food in the house. 
So I feel like if that's the only way that people know they get it because nobody else gave them the opportunity, people just don't wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. Some people show them that way, like, oh, this is what you could do. This is the college route. This is the plan. This is people you need to know. Everybody doesn't get that. So, And I know my mom didn't get that because my mom, she had, a, she had a career. She had a trade, but she didn't know what to do with the trade. So nobody ever showed her, so she just went to the streets for the whole for my whole 17 years of my life. So just like no one wakes up and says, uh, I'm gonna, I decided I'm going to be a lawyer just waking up. Nobody wakes up and just says, I'm going to commit some crime today. Like, it, it, that's just not a personal life. You don't feel like that that's a personal life. Well, to a point, you know, it becomes a lifestyle. You know, most people you know, feel like if you speak up for it, like you green or, you know, that's not like a, a way of explaining it. But most people who live in that lifestyle, who chose to live that lifestyle are victims of poverty, you know, and that's kind of like what David was saying. Um, you know, they've been forced, you know, from reality of not, you know, having it like that. You know, you walk in school and you see people, you know, with J's on, forces, you know, nice clean outfits, haircut. And, you know, you getting a haircut every three weeks or you do, you only get a pair of shoes a month, you know, that just, you know, like leads you in the di in that direction right. of like, all right, I need to get what they got, you know, but the, what they have is parents, you know, and different people helping them, you know, showing them and I don't have that. So therefore, you know, I'm going to go this route to where people, you know, have, but I'm going to take from them right. so I can have, right. you know, and from that point, it just becomes a lifestyle. You know, people get used to it. People start liking it, and, you know, it just leads to the fast lane of life, and that's really where, you know, crime comes in. At. That's where really crime is the core poverty, you know, because I'm sure if everybody had good parents and, this, you know, people who trying to help them, this, that, and the third, you know, that would that really wouldn't be the case. The crime rate would really be lower, you right. know, if it was really people out there really, you know, lending a helping hand, you know, a, a lot of the time. But, you know, that's not the case. So that really forced people, you know, to, you know, take it to the extreme. And then once they get, you know, do that, they kind of adapt to it. And that's really what leads to, you know, the criminal lifestyle. I don't, I don't think people understand, because I didn't understand, that there are kids in our city, and not just a few, but a substantial amount of kids in our city, they don't have running water going on at home. They don't have, I mean, the, the power is cut off, the water is cut off, like, there's eviction notices, you know, stuff is on the street, there's no one to take it to the, wherever they're going to stay next, they lose everything, like, this is literally rampant in our city, and so when you tell a kid you don't, you know, want to start, like, robbing people or stealing or whatever, like, are, are you giving them any other options? Because I'll tell you, I've helped kids apply for jobs for months, for months, application after application after school, and they don't get a call back. So, so hey, can I ask go you ahead. a question? Go ahead, sure. So, <clears throat> this, I hear what y'all are saying, and I, my, my first question is this, and I feel like the answer is obvious, maybe it's not, but do you think there should be a justice system? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Of course. So yeah, I think like every human would say there has to be because there has to be, you know, if any offense was happening to our family, like say someone killed somebody, you want justice. Like yeah. justice is a good thing, but it seems like what y'all are saying is the injustness of our justice system. So my question, I guess, kind of goes like this: like, how do we reset if y'all could just throw away everything? and reset the whole justice system, right? What would y'all do to change it? If I could reset the justice system, I, um, I have every case being look, be looked at um, deeply mm -hmm. and not just like what's on paper, but looking at the circumstances. What did this person go through to make that decision that they made? You know, mm -hmm. um, stealing, uh, robbery. I mean, that's a crime. You you deserve a punishment. We're not saying you don't deserve a punishment, right. sure. but you know, twenty years, fifteen years, and stuff. That's that, right. That's yeah. not like that's not reasonable, mm -hmm. especially if a person was going through hard times. Mm -hmm. And from there, you should try to help a person, put them in programs, or if it was 
where a person needed something and had to go steal for it, give them what, you know, let them apply for a job. Help mm -hmm. them get a job where they don't have to steal because they have right. money to get what they need. Right. Do you think that would reduce crime? Yeah, I feel like they should put, like, they should just make pro, like, if you go to jail for, like, a gun charge or something, I feel like they need to make a gun program, like, giving you reasons why you shouldn't tow the gun, the do's and don'ts of having a weapon. And it, I feel like if you acknowledge a lot of um, youth, they'll know, and then they, they wouldn't do half the stuff that they do. And another thing, like, we was to reset the system. First thing first, like, if the average police officer, I think they work, like, 40 hours a week, sometimes, like, 50 hours a week. 20 of those hours I would make mandatory of community policing. What's that mean? Meaning like you need to be out there trying to build a bridge between you and mm -hmm. that community and it'll stop a lot of those crimes. I mean, a lot of people feel most safe around the police instead of feeling like they got two enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and not just that, back to like, to sum up like what both of them were saying, you know, me to answer your question, I would like, you know, just, redo the whole officials like you know police and everything you know most police you got to qualify to be a police officer which means not having a record um that kind of stuff and by you not having a record and you know actually going to school getting a degree or even going to like you know a police academy you had to be led in the right direction mm -hmm. so that kind of person wouldn't understand how life is you know, to a person who's been dealt poverty, been mm. dealt, you know, a bad hand. Yeah. So how could they relate and have a good communication between a person who's like really, you know, been going through stuff, different things in their life? Me, how I feel on your, on your question, you know, instead of hiring people, you know, police officers who not convicted felon, who actually was led in a good direction, you know, who can't relate, you know, Give people, give other people a chance. Give grown men who actually been through something a chance to where, hey, hey man, I used to be that boy on the corner or whatever, um, you know, doing that, and who actually can feel for, you know, a youth or a juvenile who's like going through that and can actually, you know, be in a position to give them a helping hand. Yeah, yeah. And, and the research supports what you're saying because um, it's actually ridiculous that we have even anything called a felony um, that kind of sticks with you for life because the research is very, very clear. After five years of being released either from um, incarceration or probation, if you have not reoffended, you are as likely to reoffend as someone who has never committed a crime. You have the same odds. And in fact, violent offenders have slightly even better odds of not offending. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes murderers. Yeah. So other countries don't do it like us because that research is just so blatant. Like after so many years, your record should just go away, point blank period. So people should be able to enter law enforcement or enter the justice system as a career, even if they had a record. Yes, mm -hmm. there's some wait time, sure, but it shouldn't be a lifetime ban. Right, well see, so here's my, you know, I don't know, because I haven't read the research, but it seems like they categorize everybody at, in the same thing, because like pedophilia is a disease, right? Mm -hmm. And so you go to jail and it's hard to rehabilitate from that once you've been there. but and then there's other things like, okay, let's say even murder. I mean, it could be circumstantial. It could be whatever. And if you're getting out early, then it wasn't premeditated and whatever. But there seems to be something where, it, like, at least people I know that talk about it, they talk about the justice system as, like, a full, like, overview. Like, they'll say one statement, like, it means everything to everyone. So they'll take the worst-case scenarios mm -hmm. and then apply it to everyone involved, which I'm – hearing what y'all say, it's like, well, it's not the same because it seems to me, and I don't know, y'all would know more about this, but the reason people commit crimes is either situationally, mm -hmm. mental illness, mm -hmm. or they just want to commit crimes. Like, I think that's so few. I think that's so few. I, don't, I, I think it's just so... I think it's pretty much the two things. It's, it's, situ it's situational, predominantly poverty, mm -hmm. or it's mental illness. Like, no one... If you got money, you're not trying to rob people. Why I mean, would you? It doesn't when make any sense. I mean, I didn't rob people, but I mean, I stole stuff out of stores, like, just being a kid. Like, I was doing what, but I mean, I grew up at a private school. My, both my parents worked. We were middle, upper middle class. 
But I mean, I still chose to do some of that stuff, and I still chose right. to like. But do, if but if you got caught for that, you're you're not going to jail for ten years. Which I'm not saying. I'm what the point is. I'm not saying what the response is. The response is unjust. We know. Well, we don't know that. The listeners don't know that. But what I'm hearing y'all say, and I believe what y'all are saying, it's different. But to the point, the only two reasons people do something, I think there is a third reason, and the third reason is we're sinful humans. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but well, Miss yeah. Donna, it's true because like if you go down your time like. If you was the average youth in our society going on your timeline on Facebook, you would see, like, kids that was fed with a silver spoon from day one. Mm -hmm. Like, right now, stay in a big old house. Mama and daddy drive Audis, but they be driving in stolen cars. They ride in stolen cars all day and ride around with guns all day. I would argue, though, that goes in the mental illness. And I think when we say mental illness, we get this, like, oh, something's really wrong. I'm talking, like, you have a self-esteem issue. You, you have an attention issue mm -hmm. um, that you're trying to fulfill. What, what you're talking about, you're talking about stealing some Skittles from the store, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about robbing people yeah. because that's what I'm watching people go to jail for for 10 years, right? right. Mm -hmm. and 20, 20, 20, 20 yeah, I mean, 30. Yeah, and then you're a violent oh, offender oh. if you had a gun on you, even if you never pulled the gun, and now you get out and you're this, you've been in there for 20 years and you're this scary, violent offender. It, it's, a, it's a mirage and it's given these scary labels mm -hmm. and, and therefore no one wants to touch it. Like, yeah. that, that's what happens. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm no, that's okay. But, I, so... I mean, that's kind of where I feel because, I mean, yeah, mine was like petty, stupid stuff, right? But, I mean, I do know people. I went to Bowles High School, and I know kids that were just bored. They were bored. Their parents had millions of dollars. But, but Jeremy, I'm just going to cut you off, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude, but we don't have to address it. Those kids are not getting locked up. Like, we're talking about the justice system where we are destroying families. We are destroying communities. Mm -hmm. We are destroying kids. Right. So let, let's focus on who actually is stuck in the justice system. Well, the reason I'm bringing it up is because you have to start with why people do stuff. I'm starting with why people who are getting targeted to get locked up are doing stuff. You're mm -hmm. talking about people who are not getting locked up. Okay. Then yeah, well, I, I don't mean, know where to go from no, there, Well, that's – I, I kind of get both of your, your, your stances. I kind of get both of what, what you um, – get where you both are coming from. I think what um, – <clears throat> Amy is trying to, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, there is there is a, which sounds like to me, there is a, a group of individuals that are marked, sure. which, that, which means that there are a group of individuals that are marked, there are a group of in individuals that are not marked. So when, uh, when you mark a certain group of individuals, you are going to spend more time incriminating these marked group of individuals mm -hmm. as opposed of viewing everybody on the same playing field and the same scale. Correct. Am I Correct. not? Yeah. Even just what happened, um, even just what happened to Quan at the uh, Times Union Performing Arts Center, when I walked in, you know, there's security. I walked in, passed the security in the door I wasn't supposed to go through. Lady didn't say a word to me. But when me and um, Alan walked through, she said, where are y'all going? Like, as soon as we came in the door, but didn't say nothing to nobody else. But when we first walked in, she said, where y'all going? I guess we wasn't dressed for the occasion. Right. But she just automatically assumed that we wasn't supposed to be there. And those are the small altercations that tend to escalate, right? And not escalate in any kind of crazy way, but in the, why are you bothering me? Right. And then it gets aggressive from the security or police angle. So let me ask, let me ask this then. Let me ask this. Um. And, Jeremy, I want to come back to what you were actually saying as well. Um, um, it sounds like to me that you all feel, and, and I'm just going to ask, do you think that the justice system helps perpetuate a, like, so do you help? So, you know, we just read the, the, the definition of what the justice system is yeah. and how you all, um, you know, you had some issues with what the definition was. Um, do you think that this justice system and what was defined by it helps you get stuck or does it help you I mean does it help perpetuate crimin uh, criminality? I feel like the justice system period is designed to mess up people's lives just like you know Ms. Donna Frio was saying it's not justice they just call it justice you know if it was justice they would understand you know most situations okay you know um, I feel like, you know, a lot of the city leaders and different things, you know, like the 
public defender's office, the right. public, I feel like, you know, a lot of the cases, how they get handled, you know, the public defenders don't care, honestly. You know, I feel like if public defenders were more into, okay, um, I'm going to actually try to help this person, you know, as best as I can, you know, help them get as least time as possible, right. help them, on, you know, not get a conviction, you know, if we if it was more people like that in the public, you know, attorney or public right. defender, you know, it would be less conviction. Now, what I'll say is this. Then I'll have to challenge you a, l a little bit based on what Jeremy was saying and just help me if I'm wrong. So um, with, with that, understanding where you're coming from, um, there still is a need for this type of system. There's need for a system. Yeah. There's need for it because at the end of the day, I want somebody to help secure my safety regardless of what is going on, regardless of what neighborhood I'm from, regardless of who I am. Um, and I think that maybe go back to the fact of where there might be a slight difference in the demographics of where we stay, how this city is designed. But just to go back to Jeremy, so give me a, give me a, give Jeremy, you give me an understanding. Help me understand what is it that you were trying to apply when it comes to. Well, what I'm trying to think through is if, if it actually comes down to the fact that either it's situational or just mental illness, there shouldn't be jails because both of those are correctable. Either, if it's situational, there should be programs to help people process what they've been through and then push out. And then if it's mental illness, there should be programs in hospitals and whatever to address these things. And so, but th to me, that can't be the only two options. Well, I think, yeah, and that's what, and, th what, and, th and this is why I would say, um, I kind of understand what Amy is coming from because you you would disagree with that, but mm -hmm. I think just like that there is a system to incriminate and yeah. to mark people, right. I think even when they get in jail, I think jails have to make money. Yeah. I think private prisons, prisons are built to yeah. make money, and they can only make money based on housing of prisoners. Right, And I think that what happens is, and what has happened is that prison, um, and from historically, I felt like when they first built this thing called correctional facilities of prison, mm -hmm. it was not only to entrap, but to help rehabilitate. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a lack of that. It, I think there is no rehabilitation sure. whatsoever. What so and I want I want to hear what you all think about that. Like, I feel like there's no rehabilitation. Like when you go inside jail or you get sentenced to something. Like when I, my first time going to jail ever, ever being stopped by the police. Period. I got sent to a level eight program, so I was in there for nine or twelve months. When you go there, once you get sent out, first of all, as a juvenile, waiting on your program is the worst thing ever because you just sitting in a detention center, sitting on dead time, don't know when you finna leave. And you just basically waiting on them to call your name, telling you finna go to your program. You just sitting in there for weeks, up to months. I know somebody in there right now been waiting for eight months. He been committed to a program for eight months and still hasn't got sent yet. And he got uh, he got committed to a nine to twelve month program. Wait, so when you say dead time, because I don't think people are gonna know, you mean it doesn't count. It towards doesn't your count. Time. It doesn't count towards a sentencing. So that means he he been enough for eight months waiting on the program. If he gets sent off next month, which would be nine months, he still got to do a whole another nine months in his program. So once you get to your program, I still feel like it's no rehabilitation because at the end of the day, you in there on your own two feet and they not teaching you nothing that's keep you out of trouble. They basically just trying to help you make your time fly and keep, and keep you from fighting in there. That's all they basically doing. And on top of that, the time that you're doing, it doesn't even count towards. And it doesn't even count. once you. And then once you get to your program, that's when your time starts. So, th so this sounds, even if rehabilitation and programs were supposed to be implemented. Yeah. It almost sounds um, like they are psychologically starting a cycle in you. In your having, mind. In your mind. 
just sitting and waiting for eight, nine months. Yes. And go ahead. Go, you, you give me, I know you were going to say something earlier. I, I, just, I, I want to speak on this, too, when we, while we talking about that, you know. Even probation. Now, I'm 19 years old. I was um, certified and convicted of a felony when I was 16. You know, I got, I was incarcerated when I was 15. But um, I was end up sentenced to four years on probation. So um, I just graduated high school. You know, I'm off probation now. Come on now. <laughs> yes, sir. All day. It's, it's, it's a month. It's been a month. But um, just being on probation, you know, um, you out, you free, but you still have someone you got to answer to. You still got to be in the house at a certain time. You know, you can't. You're not free to go out of town, you know, family visits, different things like that on probation. So even being out, you know, being able to breathe air, you know, wear your own clothes and do different things like that, that still puts you in a state of mind like I'm still locked I'm up. free, but I'm, I'm still, not free. I'm, you're I'm, not free, I'm right. in jail still, you know, and that kind of puts your mind in a cycle, you know, to where, you know, like, you know, you you really don't understand, and you really don't know what you want to do because it's still something holding you back. You know, probation can stop you from getting a job. A conviction can stop you from getting a job. Um, people will stereotype you for being on probation. Um, people, you know, uh, uh, treat you a certain way. So basically, you walking around Mark still, and you know, your mind is still at a point where, like, you know, I'm free, but I'm not free. So that can really, like, you know, put you in a, you know, on a I mindset. Think that has, I think that has more to do with it than anything. I think if a person's mindset or it feels like that they're still limited and that they have no options that they have. Like, so, because something like that. Like, I'm just, I'm putting myself in, in this, in, in your, your homie's shoes that you said, you know somebody right now sitting in there. What I did was I said to myself, and I can even go back to when I was 12 years old and they took me to the jail and I visited the jail. They showed us the jail and it was like, showed us this is where you don't want to come. And they, they, they take you there and they do this type of scare thing, which, what they do with you, this, uh, this scare tactic with you. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was cool with the whole thing until I found out that the only reason why they took me it's because they thought that I was an at-risk young uh, teen, yeah, at-risk kid. So I'm like, you know, those programs don't even work. Do you know the research says definitively that those programs make it more likely for you to offend the scared straight? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, and I mean, just thinking back at how devastating I felt, um, like just revisiting that, I'll never forget that at 12 years old. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in my 30s. But I remember the day that they called me an at-risk teen. And I was like, what have I done to make you feel like you have to be scared of me? I'm 12. I, I just want to play sports. I like girls. Yeah. That, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Things he knew. Like, that's, that's like what I knew with them was sports and girls. And give me a hamburger. You know what I'm saying? Some, fr <laughs> some fried chicken or something. You know what I mean? That was my thing. And I just didn't understand why somebody wanted to label me. And me now in my 30s, I have a problem with that. Like that psychologically does something to you. And you, when you don't grow out of it, you grow with it. And you don't understand it. And then you become a grown man. And then you have a problem with people having a problem with you. And then it's like you want to please everybody. And it's like, why this person got it? It becomes a cycle. Yeah. And then when you, you have certain options and you have certain views, and then when you feel like you have no options and people view you that way, you know, there were days I wanted to lash out and lose my mind and just say, you know what? I'm going to go. If you think I'm a criminal, I'm going to show you how much of a criminal I am. Yeah. If you think I'm this person, that this evil predator person or this evil guy, like, I'm going to show you that since that's what you already labeled me. You know what I mean? And I think that what is happening when it comes to the justice system is that it's not, it is not what's being done when you are in the jails. It's what they're doing to your mind for you when you get out. Yeah. It's like what you said. It's like I still feel like mentally I have 
nowhere to go. I am literally still trapped to the point to where this is the only thing that's for me. They haven't shown me that this is all I'll ever be about. Yeah. So what else, uh, what else is there to look to? You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, like when you're younger, being incarcerated, that's like, you know, that just really like, you know, really set you up for the downfall. The younger you are and like the more you're going through it, you go to jail, you experience it the first time. Taking away your childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. And then now you just, now you just, you know, you adapting to it. Because, you know, as a, as a human, you know, we adapt, you know, right. to our surroundings, you know, to where we are. And like me, I was 15 when I first went to jail. And, and you're talking adult jail too. Yes. Just to um. You know, yeah. Duval County Hold Jail. Hold on. So you were 15, and you were charged as an adult. Yes, sir. You're sitting in the adult jail while you were at the okay. Duval County Keep Jail. Keep going. And um, you know, it's when you go down to the jail. Once you get certified, it's kind of like you know they actually like you know there's no more hope for you. They actually bring the jail tours to the juvenile dorms on the sixth floor at the jailhouse. So basically like, you wanna be like them? Yeah, they going to prison, da da da. So it's basically like, all right, kinda hurts. Wow. You're, you're like, like, dang, you know, it's kinda like no hope for me. So, um, wow. And, and you 15, 16 years old, 17 years old in, in there, you know, they treat you like an adult. You know, it's kinda like, it's, it's a little different from the adult side, you know, in the jail, but they, they treat you more like an adult. Right. In the jail house, and um, you know, you get in trouble, you fight. It's twenty-three hour lockdown, di disciplinary confinement. So now you don't, you don't, you fought, you know, whatever you fighting for. When you were, as a young age person, you know, you fighting for your respect. You know, you fighting for food. You know, you fighting for these different things. And then you know, you going to twenty-three hour lockdown at the age of sixteen. 15 years old, mm. you know, that really setting you up for the downfall, you know, like mm. mentally wise, you know, like you like at a point where like, you know, dang, you know, most kids that age, most, you know, you know, teens that age, you know, still got ADHD, yeah. you know, like got to move, you know, got to do different things, got to sweat, you know, got to play some basketball, got to get active in different things like that. And like when you get put in 23-hour lockdown to where you can find in this small cell for 23 hours a day and you mm -hmm. only get one hour out, you know. Imagine yeah. what that'll do to a teenager's mind. And not to turn into, not to turn into the science guy, but <laughs> your, your, your brain is still developing a part of you. Uh, your, your brain at that age is still developing that part to handle those type of situations better. You're, that's a part of your brain to help you endure those times that hasn't even fully developed yet. So you can't deal with them the way you're supposed to deal with them yeah. because in the age that you're in, you haven't developed a certain part of your brain to help you deal with those type of uh, that type of trauma or those type of uh, 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 you know uh, uh, challenges. You know what I'm saying? So yes, you handle things a certain kind of way, yeah. which is why young people respond a lot of times the way that they respond because. They're not meant to go through a lot of the things that they have gone through. So, um, uh, man, I, this is this has really been helpful. I think where we at, sure. We we we. Um, I think that's where the word institutionalized come from. Yeah. Like they they basically training your brains at a young age. Like you gonna keep coming back in here. Yeah. Like yeah. that's basically what they want you to do. Like keep coming back. And in the detention center, like they always tell you, we gonna keep the light on for you when you come back. Before you leave, it's always going to be at least one staff going to tell you that because the lights never go off. They're going to tell you, we're going to keep the light on for you. So that's what they tell you as you're leaving out? Mm -hmm. Something to have you thinking about. Wow. Man, um, I think it's a good time to go to a song real quick. Let's take a little quick break because that right there is something in itself. Um, and we'll come back and we'll kind of finish it up. Um, and it looks like we'll probably have to talk a little more about this on the next show as well. Um, but let's go to a song. I got my man Say Lot of Corner featuring Bizzle. Song called Cliches right here on the Ville Radio Show. Yep.
I want to, if I can, come back just real quick brief, because I know I didn't know any of this going in. Like, what, there's a juvenile detention center, and then there's Adam Street, which is the adult. Yeah. And there's, sec- there's a separate wing for juveniles, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still the adult jail. It's not set up to handle juveniles, like, in any mm-hmm. way. They handle you how they handle the adults. Yeah. They just give you a different uniform, but you consider an adult now. And they're going to let you be in charge every day. You face an adult time in prison. What an adult, you know, can get in prison, that's what you can get in prison. And not like a, a level 12 program. Yeah. Uh, Talking the mics up because your people still live. They want to hear what you're saying. Well, it's, it's, it's not like, um, you know, when you get certified, it's not like when you're in the, the detention center and the most time they can give you is a 12 the 36-month program, um, you know, basically when you get certified, it's like, you know, Ain't no limits. there's, you know, depending on how many points you scored on your charge to how they, you know, You can be 15 and get 20 years. You can get, you somebody, can be 15 and get 35 years. I you know, know somebody 17 just got 30 years for armed robbery. Which, you know, 17, you know, like we were saying, you know, like you really – and then, you know, it depends on how you living, you know, what your mindset would be, you know. You can, you can be, you know, robbing, you know, somebody for the money to get you some food at night, you know, or right, right. do something like that. And, you know, even though it's not the right thing to do, it wasn't the right way of going about it, you know, that's probably like, you know, all he knew at the time because he probably could have reached out to some people, you know. And, you know, the crazy thing is, though, he might have. and He might know better. He might have reached out to people. That doesn't mean help happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're 14 or 15, you're not getting a job. It's, like, a, it's just not happening. It's a lot of people I know, like, yeah. who mama depend on their exactly. child. Like, to help pay bills and help put food on the table. Like, right now, I know a, 15, a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old who mama depends on them to take care of her. Like, and they all the way out, they in the street, but they doing it, ain't like they doing it because they ain't like just for fun or just be going out there and be doing stuff to people, but they doing it because they ain't, they don't got no choice. They mama ain't got no job, can't get a job. Mm-hmm. So it leads them to something. And then they not old enough to get a job yet. One on 14, you can't even work at Publix no, at 14. Nothing. And that just put you, put them in a situation right there. All right, they get caught for an armed robbery. Now, you know, that's a... a a felony, a violent felony, right. and you know now they certified. Now they downtown facing 15, 30, 25 years for that, just because you know their parents was depending on them, and you know they basically didn't know any other way, and wow. they're too young to get a job. Let's 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 say something when we go come back on. What you say you want to touch on the difference between? Okay, all right, cool. We, I'm gonna go ahead and bring this in. Um, and five, four, three, two, one. Yep, yep. That was the boy Sail out of the corner. Shout out to him. New York's finest. That's what I call him. That's my man. Did uh did a show with him uh last year, um, right in New York City. That's a good brother. He's a part of that God over money movement. They doing their thing. Um he just wrote a song called Cliches, man. I wanted to give people an understanding of, you know, some of the things y'all say, kind of make fun of it. So Shout out to him, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate the music. Let's get back to this justice system uh, right here on the Ville Radio Show with Amy D and the EVAC Movement Boys. You know what I'm saying? Do you mind if I call you Amy That's D? That's fine. That's fine. All right. And Shirky Durky over here asking the tough <laughs> questions. You know what I'm saying? I like it, though. It's real good. Shout out to the uh, to the homie Jay Harris. He's not in here, but we holding it down while in his absence, and hopefully he'll be back with us next week. But let's let's touch on a couple things. Um we were talking about offline that Amy wanted to touch on about the difference between um, the certain departments when it comes to the juvenile mm-hmm. uh, detention center and then the actual adult, adult mm-hmm. jail downtown. So, yeah. yeah, go ahead. So there's just some things I've had to learn kind of as we've gone about the justice, justice system because I didn't know anything about it. So some things that you want to know. First of all, there is the detention hall for juveniles, all right? Um, that's generally where juveniles are taken to, but then there's also Adam Street, and that is the adult jail. Um, what Jalea was referring to is that if you are what's called direct filed, that's another term you need to know, direct filed or certified, that means that they charge you as an adult. 
that means that you have an adult record. So if you got charged, let's say, with armed robbery, you, one, can get 10, 20, 30 years at 14, 15. doesn't matter. If you're direct filed, you get the adult uh, penalty. You also will have an adult felony for the rest of your life. And you also will be housed on Adam Street in the adult jail. Now, there's a separate wing for juveniles, but they're treated the same as the adults, and they're not given any of the services. And my thing is, why, if there's a 8th Street, because that's the detention, that's, mm-hmm. there's 8th Street and then there's Adam Street. Why is there a need to put juveniles on, in Adam Street? Because, because that signifies that they have been charged as an adult. Yeah. And you can be, like Jaleel was saying, he got charged as an adult on his first offense. People don't realize that this happens. I've had even people who are in charge of the juvenile system tell me this doesn't happen. I watch it happen. He's witness to it happening. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of like you know um, when basically when they certify you, they they basically putting like the tag on you like you more you are more violent youth than the others. So you know like we're gonna put you in an adult jail. You're more violent than people your age. You, um, you are more dangerous, you know, basically, like, you know, profiling you to where, like, you this bad person. Right. And, you know, like, you this bad person, and you can't be around people your age group because you are more dominant, you are more physically, like, basically what they just trying to profile you into being this bad person, and you separated from the rest of your age group. And now you're around more people, more kids like you, more people more kids, like, they feel like are dangerous like you. More people, more kids, they feel like are at risk like you. Um, you know, kind of like same charges, you know, different things like that. And um, once you're around them, they feel like you can, I guess, cope in that environment better. When really, you know, they just messing your mind up yeah. even more, you know. And this is your first, first offense. This is a first. This year. was the first felony I ever had on my record. You know, I grew up in foster care. You right. know, so um, you know, group homes and different things like that. You go through a lot. You know, that's a system too, mm-hmm. where you know it's setting you up for downfall. Yeah, and um, you know, you go through different things like most kids don't go through. Even kids who in poverty don't go through. You know, yeah. um, far as like you know, pe- people wearing your stuff. You know. Now y'all in the house fighting about it, you know. And the people who over the group home, you know, they like, you know, they fighting. You need to call the police so they can make a report about it. And that just leads to both of y'all catching, you know, a charge, you know. And I, you know, I had a couple of misdemeanors, you know, with stuff like that. But um, my first felony, this was my first felony. I was 15. Um, and I got charged with aggravated assault. And within my first 21 days in the juvenile detention center, because your first 21 days, you know, they you have to right do something with you. Yeah. And yeah like, the, say it again. You have a, if your first 21 days in juvenile uh, detention center, you have a right to a speedy trial. So basically, that's another thing we need to talk about. Like, your 21 days, they have 20, basically, they have 21 days to figure out what they're going to do with you. But if you waive your 21 days, that gives them all rights to hold you over 21 days and keep pushing your court dates back to they yeah. figure out what they want to do with you, which basically gives them more time to build up a case on you. Yeah. And your public, once you go talk to your public defender before you go to court in the juvenile system, like, they basically be trying to trick you to waive your 21 days. Like, they play with your mind and be like, oh, you're on your 21st day, if you don't waive them, your charge is so serious, you might be getting certified when really somebody in there for a battery. You can't, you gonna certify somebody for a battery. Now you waive it. Now when you, you waive it, that give them time to build a case on you, on your battery, get more evidence. And, and then that's when they finally slam you with a program. Wow. Where really if you jail. didn't waive your 21 days, you probably would have got released on your 21st day. And and that's what it was for me, you know, right on my 21st day in the, you know, the jail, I was certified. And um, I went down to the, um, to the adult jail they gave me a half a million dollar bond, you know, on a third degree felony. So I wouldn't, you know, be able to get out. And um You can post that? <laughs> I don't know, you know, nah, I know half a million dollar bond, nah. But um, you know, and um that just put me in a situation in which I had to be in there. And um, you know, I ended up going to court, you know, and they was just like, you know, 
the judge basically, you know, like, you know, felt like, you know, he's a menace. So are we going to keep him in there? Are we going to, they kept pushing my court date back like two months, month and a half. And you that young doing that amount of time in jail and it's actually your first time actually doing time in jail, you know, it's going to take a toll on your mind than anything else. You know, it's not like you 35 years old and you done been in jail six times and one of those times you did five years, you know, right. you can kind of like deal with it better. Well, but, it th- th- this this is this is what's funny about it and we, we got to wrap it up and we'll, we're going we're gonna to finish this on the, on the next show. The 21 day situation. You said that 21 days they got to find out what they're going to do with you. Yes, so sir. they kind of they kind of, you know, finagle you into waiving your 21 days. But then you said on your 21st day, they gave you a bond of a half a million dollars. So it sounds like I'm out of gas either, either way, way it go. Yeah. It's not like, like, so on the 21st day, they decided to give me a... a, 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 a certify me certify on my 21st day. And then give you a bill at a half a million dollars, which I cannot pay. I don't have that money to pay. So then you say... They know we, you can't pay. You know, so then we're going to bring you back the next court date, and then we're going to put you back. Ne- yeah. So it sounds like I have no option, period. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that if we're going to call this a justice system that we have to reevaluate mm-hmm. and look at. I want to go back to even what you said about uh, when you brought in, you brought up police officers before you just let them come on you would check them out, really find out what they're about. And then you said that, um, you know, they, they spend a certain amount of t- hours they need with the community. I think that would be a great because that's, that's the front line. That's right. what gets you yep. in jail. Yep. So to keep the target off your back, I'd rather have a, 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 a hand to hold somebody that's going to, like, be there for me or come, come out there play basketball with me or football with the kids. Come out, they give out toys or something like that. That'll, that'll just put an image in my eye to to that police officer, like, oh, he at least he trying to do something different and do something right for the community instead of targeting every black man that walk around out here with no shirt on or something. Right. Just to mess with and be like, oh, let me run your name. Do you got an ID on you? Oh, you know you can go to jail for not having no ID on you. They'll mess with you for anything. Like if they don't got nothing on you mm-hmm. at all. They'll pick something to mess with you by. Why you don't have your ID on? You know you go to jail for that. Wow. Like they'll pick something to mess with you with. If we had, if we had like mandatory, a minimum mandatory, like how they give you in jail. If police officers had minimum mandatory community service hours, meaning they got to go out and uh, community police, a lot of a lot of crime will stop, and I feel like a lot of arrests would be de-escalated. Well, uh, you heard it here, man, and I, I definitely agree. And we got some more things that we can um, uh, talk about on the next show. I want to thank you, young brothers, for coming out and speaking your mind. And really uh, articulating in a ways for people to understand. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. But th- thank you. I think that's one of the uh, misconceptions about uh, uh, a lot of young brothers that they can't articulate and that their voice can be heard. And we want to thank you, Amy, for you know just sticking with these guys and showing them that they have a voice and allowing them to be spo- uh, uh, heard. You can tell that they are used to being heard, and we appreciate that. Hey, listen. Special thanks to the Ville Church. Shout out to the Ville Church for sponsoring the Ville Radio Show. Y'all make sure y'all come check us out every Sunday, you know what I mean, 1030. Uh, we got Pastor Shirk, I think, who's going to be preaching. You, you, you got it this Sunday, right? I got it. You got it, you know what I'm saying? We've been speaking, uh, speaking on a sermon series called There's Got to Be Something Different. Y'all make sure y'all come holler at us 1030 every Sunday. Um, and catch us back here next time on the Ville Radio Show. We'll be back with the EVAC movement again for a couple more weeks. I think we're going to do it. So y'all stay tuned and enjoy this. Something happened with my live, so a lot of people, sorry about that. But you can make sure you tune in on Saturday, 103.7 FM. If don't, if you don't, we put the podcast out on Monday. Make sure you like the Ville Radio page. That's the Ville, T-H-E, then V-I-L-L-E, radio show page, so you can hear the podcast every week on Monday. All right? Appreciate y'all. Thanks, homies. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Yes, sir. Me and two deep, boy, deeper than the rap. I'ma just let my soul bleed on the track. You missed it. We just went off air, man. We should have, should have wrapped this up. Man, that was good, yo. That was good.
Sunday. Because his got switched the night before we had a court date. Wow, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I know I know about the whole game, man. They play they play games. They eat lunch with each other. They talk about, you know. What they finna do real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy.